This is the War Master, Josh Barnett, and you're watching Pro Wrestling for Life. Welcome to another incredibly amazing episode of Pro Wrestling for Life, everyone. I'm your host. Apparently, I'm a two-time WWE Hall of Famer, and apparently my wrestling name is X-Pac. <laughs> What's going on, Nick? I'm, I'm in the mood today. I can tell. I love I love this memento style. Like, you don't really, like, you, you're told this. Like, you woke up and you found X-Pac tattooed on your forearm. Yeah, I heard. <laughs> that's right. a great line. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, no, that's great, man. It's beautiful here in Chicago. Uh, just so everybody knows, we're going to have Josh Barnett here just a little bit. We went yeah. well over an hour because uh, I know, Josh, you've wanted to talk to Josh for some time. And, man, the two of you guys get together and it it's just a, you know, it's a slam banger from beginning to end. Well, um, yeah. Since, I mean, when I first I've been wanting to talk to Josh on the show since I was doing the previous show and. You know, I just don't, you know, man, I don't like asking people for their time. And so, like, he had told me a while ago he would do it. And then when I saw him at WrestleMania, we were on the same flight home from WrestleMania. You know, we talked for quite a while waiting for our bags at LAX baggage claim. So, um, you know, that it, well, I don't know if you know or not. But I do. I hang out at, I've, I've hung out at baggage claims before. I know what small talk is. Yeah. So that conversation was almost as long as the conversation we had for the show. Wow. All right. I'm well, on the fucking bags take to come up. There you go. So what we're going to get is baggage claim banter here on the yeah. show today between Sean and Josh. So um, the thing is about is I haven't said, I mean, so I've seen Josh here and there, like um, uh, at different things and we talk bullshit, but like now, like we haven't talked like, like that since that bus ride he brought up. We're, we're not the first time I ever met him in Japan. Yeah, you know, yeah, and we sat in the back of the bus and just fucking just had an amazing conversation. So yeah, and you're gonna hear all about yeah. it—the bus ride conversation. I want to kind of call out two things real quick. First of all, all, first of all, we're recording this a little earlier than we usually do the intro outro because um, you're gonna be on, or you've been on the bump, right? You're on the Wednesday bump. This yes. came out on Thursday, so that's pretty yeah. cool. We have no idea what you said. I'm gonna guess you killed it. Is what I'm gonna guess. Yeah, I imagine I did. Uh, I'm sure I did just fine, Nick. Yes, and I'm yeah, sure, I'm, I'm sure, sure I was very likable. I'm sure, and I'm sure you made sure to promote the podcast during your your appearance on the show. I'm positive that you did that. I'm very I may, or may not have. Okay. The other thing I wanted to call out here um, is in the interview at the end, we there's you know there's a lot of speculation. Right? There was a lot of speculation speculation around Fedor Emelianenko's next fight. We get Josh like a couple hours before they choose who Fedor is going to fight, and at the end of the interview, we really thought we—I was ready to run quotes. I was going to—I was be like, "Oh, we got this upcoming." Because at the end of the interview, Josh comments on how he would have liked to have got that Fedor fight. Yeah, great. great Sounded like he thought he had it in the bag almost. It did sound. It does in the interview you're about to listen to sound like Josh had in the bag, but but we. A few hours after this recording, we uh, we got we got scooped. I guess uh, Josh is not going to be fighting Fedor. Womp womp. It's going to be uh, AEW's Jack Hager instead. That's going to be going heads up with Fedor here. Yep. Yeah. So happy for Jake. 
hope he, you know, I wish him the best in it. Um, I really like, I have no idea how that that's going to turn out, but I like honestly think that uh, Josh Barnett's been really consistent his entire uh, career as a fighter. It's amazing the longevity he's had, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, like he's like like the last fights you see him like for me, I he doesn't he doesn't seem like he's lost that much since he started. No, and no. so like Fade, that wouldn't have been a real smart fight for Fedor. I don't. Especially in his hometown of Russia, Moscow, Russia. I still very much want to see Josh Brock. Like, because I've I've brought it up to to Josh, because I've interviewed Josh outside of this a couple times. And I'm like, and he's all about it. Like, he would accept a Brock Lesnar fight. How effing cool. Like, the promos, like, two guys that know how to work, like, doing a real UFC fight. But I also would love to see Brock in a blood sport, just to, like, see what that looks like. Just an animal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Brock's Brock's style in WWE isn't. That much different from what? Well, a little bit. <laughs> Not that much. Uh, Not that okay. much. Lastly here, before we throw to Josh in a second, reminder, we have two new Patreon tiers. If you're looking to get some one-on-one time with Sean, you want to join our uh, third Thursday, what we're calling virtual meet and greets. we got 20 uh, tickets available for that now over on our Patreon. And we have uh, monthly uh, 15-minute conversations available with Sean as well, if that's what you want to do. And, of course, July 15th. July 15th, circle it on your calendar. We are going to be debuting not only on YouTube now every Thursday. You're also going to be able to find us on Fight.TV starting July 15th. All right. Fight TV. Yeah. <laughs> just sounds good. It does. And I felt like I put on my professional voice there. I feel like I need to, like, stop doing that. Like, I'm so I, – I, I lose emotion. I have to – I must present this very important information. So, I guess – I hope I did it right. Did okay. yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode of Pro Wrestling for Life is sponsored by BetterHelp. Yeah, hey Sean, is there a is there something right now in your life that's interfering with your happiness, maybe preventing you from achieving the lofty lofty goals that you have set uh, still in your life? Nick, don't be silly, man. You know, and everyone out there listening and watching knows that I have struggled with mental health issues most of my adult life. So, come on now. Yeah, well, uh, Sean, better help. You know, maybe they can help you assess your needs and maybe even help match you with a licensed professional therapist. And if you wanted to, you could start communicating to them in, you know, literally less than 48 hours. Um, and I want to I want to note, like I did last time and, and every week, like I've done this myself. You know, I was in a bad spot yeah. several months ago, maybe a year ago. I was just transitioning in my life, doing a lot of things, needed somebody to talk to. We're in this pandemic. You're inside. You don't know what to do. I went to BetterHelp.com. I got uh, matched up with a wonderful therapist named Linda, and it really got me back on the the right track. The thing I learned from BetterHelp with Linda is, me personally, I started using mindfulness. Yes, mindfulness. Uh, yeah, mindfulness. Yeah. And I, uh, you use mindfulness. I take it. Well, yeah. it's a thing. It's 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 incredibly helpful, like for people that deal with addiction. It's because yeah. anything that keep you in the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. And addiction, anxiety. And again, yeah. it's different for everybody. This is just my personal experience. You know, everybody gets treated differently. But yeah, mindfulness, like accepting my emotions, allowing myself to release uh, release those emotions. It's been yeah. very, very helpful for my day to day life. Um, and BetterHelp is committed to facilitating uh, these great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if you need. So if it didn't work out with Linda, I lucked out. I had a great therapist right out of the gate. But if it hadn't, they'll give me another therapist. 
I don't have, nice. I'm not, I'm not tied to Linda. Um, and they want you to help. They want you to start living a better life today, a happier, better life. So if you're listening to this, um, and you want to, you want to try better help, visit betterhelp.com slash PW4L. That's PW4L. You can join a million people who have taken charge of their mental health. John. Yeah. I mean, you know, Nick, I, I just, there are a lot of people out there and this isn't part of the read. I just added this, like, there are a lot of people out there that are really hesitant or skeptical about therapy. Yeah. You know, and, and look, I understand I have been in the past too, but like, man, if you're struggling out there, give it a shot. I mean, you yeah. really have nothing to lose. And I, I just can't say enough about uh, the, you know, the benefits of, of really good therapy, man. So mm-hmm. man, and- do yourself a favor. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it's like, it's, you're, you're giving yourself a gift when you go to therapy, right? You're not taking away anything from yourself. And Sean, I like you been in therapy most of my life. I know what it is to have to go drive or walk to sit in a room with this kind of stranger and make eye contact and pretend, you know, whatever, this is all normal. Um, I actually preferred better help than actually having to go. And maybe it's again, because I suffer from a ton of anxiety, but I preferred being able to sit down at a computer, kind of get to have my own space. Like, and I don't, I, I looked at Linda, like we were having video chat, but if you're not comfortable, even in that space, you can turn the video off and just do an audio therapy session, you know, whatever you want to do. It's your therapy, you know, nice. anyway, nice. uh, betterhelp.com slash PW four L uh, that's going to get you 10% off your first month. Betterhelp.com slash PW four L try it out. Obviously Sean and I both think, that if you're not mentally doing well, this is maybe worth your time. And like, man, I wonder about you if if you don't have something bothering you, man, with this pandemic and all the other crap going on in the world. Yeah. So yeah, like I said a little bit ago, man, do yourself a favor and uh, give better help a shot. This episode of Pro Wrestling for Life is brought to you by Every Plate. Yeah, I hope our listeners out there, they want to experience full plates and fuller wallets with America's Best Value Meal Kit. I am a huge cooking person. I cook every single day. Liz and I cook every day. Uh, I had a blast doing the uh, every plate. So they make home cooking easy. It's affordable. Think of it this way. It's one meal from every plate. That's the same price as one cup of coffee. Like It costs the same amount to get all the the food, the, the, the supplies you're going to need to cook a meal as it would take to go buy a cup of coffee. I don't know how they do it. It's crazy, right? Because it's, I mean, like the the food is legit. Like the meats, all that, man. Like it's high quality shit. It is really high quality. And the meals come together in about 30 minutes. And like Sean said, you know, you got the meat down there. It's freezer packed. And there's like a little barrier. Then they have all your veggies up top. They got the recipe tucked on the side. It's really awesome. And they're always changing out their menu. 14 recipes per week featuring like a whole range of different flavors and ingredients it's awesome man yeah and the main thing is they got the meat down there but anyways yeah Yeah, they got that meat down there and uh you know with most meals coming together in about 30 minutes or less that's going to leave you more time to go outside in the beautiful weather here in the summer you you've uh, hopefully been vaccinated or if if you're not you're taking precautions but this is a summer of being around friends and family and you're going to want to you're going to want to impress them with yeah man it's great to cook like like I love cooking too, Nick. And it's, it's really, it's, I get a lot out of cooking for others. So okay. this is perfect for that. 
Yes, agreed. Um, so um, I, I want everybody to know, like, this is the most affordable uh, market brand uh, home cooking uh, box. It is a huge differential from everything else you're going to try. The, the quality is so, so great. Um, and uh, we have a great deal for you. If you guys want to try every plate, it's just $1.99 per meal plus an additional 20% off your next two boxes. You get 20% off the next two boxes if you go to everyplate.com and you use the promo code PRO wrestling one nine nine all right pro wrestling one nine nine that's the promo code to use get started with every plate for just a dollar 99 per meal just a dollar 99 per meal then you get 20 percent off the next two boxes if you use the promo code pro wrestling one nine nine when you go to everyplate.com that's up to a one hundred dollar value in savings and thank you pro wrestling oh. No, thank you. No, you're right. Thank you for life <laughs> for supporting uh, every plate. And you know yeah. what? Hey, thank you every plate. Exactly. Pro wrestling for life. Great read. Wonderful. We killed. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, right now, I'm really excited to be joined on the show by, in my opinion, uh, one of the greatest heavyweight MMA guys like ever and, uh, and a great representative of professional wrestling, Josh Barnett. Josh, how are you, man? It's a good day. Uh, ran training earlier, came from that, grabbed some coffee and here to talk wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so you've been a pro wrestling band all your life. A fan all my life, yes. A uh, worker since 2002. Well, I re- so the first time, okay, I knew who you were before I met you, obviously. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember, like, um, I remember you as the U- UFC champion, and um, like, I don't want to go off into all that stuff, but no, I-, I was actually really surprised at one, not only how much of my career you were already familiar with when I met you on the the New Japan, yeah. uh, the the Black Bus or whatever, you know, the, uh, was that NWO or whatever we were calling the bad guys bus. And yeah. so we were riding, it was me, you and Joni. And, yeah. uh, and you're just like, oh yeah. And then uh, I've seen you do this and this and this, and where you fought yeah. that guy. And we talked about uh, like Gotch and Robinson and all this stuff. And it was like, wow, okay. Yeah, Sean it was really is, cool. It's really keyed in on all of this. Yeah. Well, I mean, cause <laughs> Like when I first started, Josh, like I trained with Masami, like like I, all right, just when I was younger, I used to say, "Hey, I was trained by Carl Gotch." I wasn't fucking trained by Carl Gotch. Carl Gotch came sometimes. I was trained by Mm -hmm. Masami, but it sounded Mm -hmm. really cool to say you were trained by Carl (laughs) Gotch. Well, of course it does. Yeah, I I wouldn't blame you. But I'm lucky for what little time I've got. I've gotten to work with uh, with Carl, but. yeah, and then, you know, and I was like, oh, hey, I, I remember seeing, finding out about you watching The Lightning Kid in uh-huh. AWA, and you just were like, you watch that? And I go, yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. dude. It was, I thought it was cool yeah. shit. Yeah. Unfortunately, like, w- my first meeting with you on that bus, like, I was w- completely whacked out of my mind. Like, I, like, um, so, like, I wish it would have been under better circumstances, is all I'm I can say this much. Yes, I could tell that you were not at your best, but when it came to wrestling, I, I'm telling you, Sean, 
it was a different, it's like a different part of your brain was operating and you knew exactly what you were talking about, the information, the dates that like the, the amount of information that you were able to, you know, piece, go back and forth with me on did not sound like somebody that was not in there. Like that part of your mind was untouched and was as bright as it could ever be. I mean, it, I was just like, Oh fuck, man, Sean really, Sean knows, he's 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 just lighting stuff off and i gotta have to have to stay on my toes to keep up with him well it was so cool to see you there josh because like i i I remember watching you and rico rodriguez another great fighter um and i anyway so i remember that and but then to see you like at new japan like you you went out there did you put who you put someone to sleep and then you cut this promo in japanese Oh, that was probably uh, Nuji Nagata. We did like a get together yes. and he attacks me in the ring and then I front choke him out and then I, you know, cut my promo in Japanese yeah. on him and everyone freaks out. And then that's the lead into me having my professional wrestling debut for the or fighting or, or, or going against Yuji Nagata for the IWGP heavyweight title yeah. in the Tokyo Dome in front of like 50,000 people Incredible, for a debut. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a wild one, and uh, came down with chicken pox a couple days before the match, so uh, a little extra a little extra difficulty added to the whole thing. But uh, for a debut, and as hard as I can be on myself, I was all right, you know. But you were already you were already established in Japan to, uh, as the king of Pancras, right? At that point, uh, no, I hadn't been the king of Pancras. Oh, you had that didn't happen oh until two thousand and three. But I was there quite a bit with. Uh, uh, Bob Sapp as his coach, uh, and yeah. then just um, being there at all the K1 and Pride stuff, and all the Japanese fighters I was working with, and speaking Japanese to a, a minor degree, and and that all really helped me to establish myself over in Japan. And then obviously by being with New Japan and Pancras, and then having Anoki um, as my backer, that that really went a long way. And so, like, and also, and and so I'm just, I'm just touching on a couple of things before I get into the meat of what, what, like, mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about blood sport and everything. But like, in in the Noki IGF, Noki Genome Federation, mm-hmm. like, you had you had a lot of fights with those with those fights. No, I mean, uh, they did move into a more MMA oriented organization towards yeah. the, I would say, like the last quarter of the of the group, but. We were pretty much a straight-up professional wrestling organization, but they would bring over some guys like, say, uh, Rikishi or yeah. some of these other folks, and they would usually just sort of run uh, a normal WWE-style match, obviously with, with, with decent guys in the ring with them. Uh, but it was supposed to be very strong style or shoot style. But at the end of the day... Um, People were showing up. They liked it. We got some good talent out of that. We had some real goofballs too, some interesting individuals. But uh, yeah. I, I mean, I got to wrestle Bobby Lashley a bunch of times. I got to bring over my student Eric Hammer and develop him. And there were some really some good matches there if you can find them. Yeah. Hey, how do you feel about um, a show with with like submission style, like UWF style, strong mm-hmm. style mixed with you know? American pro wrestling. Uh, uh, I think it. I think it could work. However, I think that there is 
a danger with setting certain precedent, right? Yeah. And with if you're running UWFI or where you've got the rope escapes with even with the or UWF style UWFI any of the variants thereof where you've got rope escapes with with um, uh, down counters and yes. escape counters and all that kind of stuff. No pins. And you're really right, and you're treating it super shoot and taking away the pins, and then you've got a very theatrically styled, you know, worked match after it. It, 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 I think it's, it creates friction against what you're trying to put out there. And it can, it, to me, what it will end up doing is it will end up essentially saying overall, despite each individual type of match yeah. and regardless of the workers within it, it'll end up telling us putting out the message that wrestling is whatever you can just do whatever it's uh, amorphous. Just go out there and just do whatever you think is cool, which really undermines your ability to tell a right. proper story under the, the proper environment. Right. And so if that story is through a full worked environment where someone might break rules, uh, you might have a, you know, a more traditional minded professional wrestling match. It still needs to be rooted in some sort of reality. The rules yeah. need to be adhered to so that you can break them. You can be a heel. You can draw ire from it or DQ yourself or whatever. Like that, yeah. That to me, that's non-negotiable. If you throw the rules out, then, okay, well, what are we even doing then other than just doing an, uh, you know, an athletic show or, yeah. or stunts? But, uh, but you, you want structure to tell story. And so once it's like watching a movie that creates a world – that you're gonna that this whole takes place in. As yeah. long as you stick within the parameters of the world that you created, everybody will, most people will be able to, to suspend their disbelief and just sure. fall into the story. As yeah. soon as you start messing with that, it it kind of it, it really undermines your ability to really tell that deeper thing, to really give people the proper footing uh, to 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 tell the story that they want to yeah. tell in the ring, whatever that may be. It you know, reminds me of Josh was back when I was still in Florida training. And like, I thought at that point that I was going to end up in UWF. Mm -hmm. um, they were like, they brought Bob Backlund in. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Sorry about the coffee. They brought Bob Backlund in UWF. I'm not sure if you, if you remember seeing this at all. He, but he wrestled he had a match uh, with Funaki. Oh, well, Funaki. He wrestled Funaki. Oh, he wrestled Takata too. And that was a killer yes. match. Yeah. But like, there was this weird, like, uh, finish where where funaki got disqualified for drop kicking him off the top rope and it really didn't get over well with the uwf fans mm. at all at all you don't remember that no but i yeah. could easily see that uh because people would be so used to seeing somebody leap off the top rope right but uh Bob did, you, at, you know what they did that double that that short arm scissor spot where Bob picked him up and set him on the rope and the drop kick. It just it just didn't fit, man. Uh, yeah, I could see that. And there are rules to professional wrestling. Go find them out there. And there there have uh, been some variants here and there, but they're generally the same. And most of them would say, uh, the old time way would be you can't throw somebody over the top rope. But another thing that gets forgotten is usually it was like you have four seconds if you jump up on the ropes, you got four seconds to get off them. That was the thing. It's the same as if, if I break a hole by grabbing the ropes, you got to let it go within the count of yep. four or whatever, right? Yeah. But it's the same idea as if you climb on the ropes, that's the same as grabbing them. You're not supposed mm -hmm. to be there. You, if you're rebounding off the ropes. That's one thing. 
you know, doing a rope escape, that's another, but it's, you're, you're only supposed to be on top of that, that, that post four seconds. And even then when I teach people uh, about working, I just go, don't get up there and goof around. If you're going to get up there, go up there. Like you mean it because you see this as an opportunity to win the match. If you're trying to win the match and do it like it matters. Hey, so um, since I brought up UWF, Josh, and we're talking about this stuff, did you, were you a fan of like, and, and you might not have seen it when it, was happening, but I imagine you watched plenty of tapes. Uh, the original UWF that that when Shima and Tiger Mask left New Japan, they started. And, now the original um, UWF, I've not seen a ton of. Uh, although I was lucky enough to have uh, Mr. Shima-san as a sponsor for me when I was in Japan, so I got the old, to get the all man? kinds of yeah. So I got all kinds of really great stories from uh, Shima-san. He's um, a really nice man. I really like. Uh, he's guy. incredible. He's a great guy, um, and you know, wrestling owes a lot to him. He's, oh, yeah. and he's for real. Like he, he got in the new Japan ring. I remember took a bump and then later he was like, Oh, this thing's soft. This is soft now. Like, Shima okay. said that? Yeah. He said it was soft. He took a bump. He's like, eh, you know, you guys are working in, in a mattress. Yeah. But they were, <laughs> I don't they think... were, Josh, they were still like, um, like, so tiger mask, he changed his name to super tiger, but he wore the mm-hmm. mask even when during mm-hmm. the match. And like, like he did a moonsault, a moonsault press. Like it was weird. They hadn't really yeah. figured things out yet. And 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 I think that was a reason why that original UWF failed, Josh. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's always politics and and uh, you know business practices that that always can are the general yeah. culprit. But but with the original UWF, it had such a mishmash kind of yes. put together. Now everybody remembers it for its prominence within shoot style wrestling and also the development of modern M towards the development of modern MMA from the guys yeah. that would come from it, the training they were doing and how that would expand out into these other organizations, Pancras and Fujiwara Gumi and different variants of the UWF. But that first UWF was just, it was, as far as I can tell, it was something created to satisfy a few different criteria. One of those was, I think maybe it was the main one to try and, get over these up and coming really hot talent that they felt if they maybe had their own space to shine in, that they could perhaps produce people to be on par with the new Japan stars. Uh-huh. And then you could create cross rival promotional stuff and other things. Uh, the other element was to push the reality aspect of professional, the more the shooting aspect, but then there was Lucha stuff involved and yeah, there was all some kinds Lucha of things all over the place. Weird. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure there, there's lots of fans of Lucha out there in the world, but, um, it just I'm didn't fit. Yeah. <laughs> no, it didn't fit. So, but, um, oh shit. I just had a huge brain fart, but, um, also, Tiger Mask wrote that book right around that same time. I'm not sure if it was before uh, they started UWF, but he wrote that book, Kayfabe, just completely exposing oh. pro wrestling. That's yeah. always, you know, I understand the want to, to, to finally tell the world how things really are. But in the world of wrestling, it's like the world of, magi- of magic, in my opinion. And there's just some things that are just best kept close to the chest close and, and close to the vest. And, and that's just the way I see it. I think it's, it's better in the long term. and yeah. the short run. Sure. Someone's going to make some money. Uh, Jose Canseco went out there and 
wrote his tell-all and made a bunch of money out of it. But yeah. at the end of the day, like he did damage to all kinds of people for simply because he thought he could capitalize on it. That was the whole yeah. point. And destroy and, and destroy friendships and relationships forever, probably. Yeah. Well, if, I mean, if he, if he valued any of them if he valued any of them in the first place. And so, um, you know, I think there's a way of approaching the behind the curtains aspect of wrestling. And I know how much there is no curtain anymore in most senses of the word. Uh, But that doesn't mean it's the best way of going about things. That's just my opinion. I was going to talk more about UWF and stuff, Josh, and and like, but just real quick, like, so when they did come back, it was the hottest promotion in the world. Right, like I mean, it they was were selling huge. out. You Cosmos sold out the mm-hmm. Tokyo Dome show. There were some really cool like uh, mix matches, like Fujiwara mm-hmm. versus Dick Fry, like guys like mm-hmm. that. Um, that I, t- I just thought they were real cool, and and I think yeah. they, they got away from that. Like we're not sure if we're at work, like what we're doing here. They it was a lot more pure, and you know, then Fujiwara Gumi split up. UWFI, I guess. Like so, like the reason, like. Josh, the, like the reason they everyone left to uh, to start UWF, it seems like the reason that everyone split too, right? Like, Takata yeah, I felt like he was being held back. Bucci, you know, it's tough because they did have legitimately a lot of stars. I mean, yeah. really high level guys that could they could be the number one anywhere that they wanted to be. Uh, you know, Nohiko Takata could have been the top guy in any promotion in Japan. Yep. Pharma, didn't didn't matter. He could work with anybody. It would have been uh, Maeda. Any like these guys are huge. And so yeah. there was also even that that younger group of Funaki and Suzuki. I say younger. I don't think they're that much younger than say Funaki, but you know on the hierarchy um, there that they were they were considered not just younger in age but younger in experience, and they came in. So they kind of they not only did they want to get out and and forge their own path right but they also had this feeling that they wanted to do it for real they wanted to have full shoot matches they didn't want to work it and and maybe that maybe you could say that that's because they were the best guys and so they were kicking everybody else's butts and so that they gotcha can, well why don't we get to be over all the time but yep. uh but i mean funaki and suzuki had a, they were not that I, I would say that they had a lot more nuance to them than that because Pancras was structured incredibly smart in the beginning um, and is still around today, so just to say something. Yep. Um, also, the it's it was we're talking about being over. Yeah, you Cosmos and all that, huge. And then you see the UWFI, like that first third of the company, that first third of that history when Miyato was the booker. Yep. Hearing Takata in the arena, just the sound, it was, you don't, n- nobody's like, you don't, you can't hardly think of anybody more over than that. That's Hulk right. Hogan over. That's ultimate yeah. warrior in 1986 over. That's holy moly, man. That is, that is over. That is like bonkers. one of my favorite, one of my favorite scenes from, from that is when, uh, Takata knocked out, uh, Katao with that kick. Yeah. So yeah, me sweet. too. <laughs> and, the, and the Japanese are all, have always been so, well, Japanese about it and very, very, you know, even, even Steven. But the reality is, uh, Kitao, and I, I don't mean to speak bad of the dead here. I've got nothing personal against Kitao. Rest in peace. Um, 
he didn't want to he didn't want to sell he didn't want a job he didn't want he just he was so very much like i'm not giving anything to anyone and yeah i watched him against yamazaki and it was really infuriating how you know kazo yamazaki's a super Amazing. legit guy shoot boxer shooto trained dude uh, shoot wrestler all the way to the to the core yep. great worker and, and the guy can fight and katao's just like yeah i'm not giving i'm not going to sell anything for you and it's just a terrible match and then that's supposed to lead into him with takata but and you know everyone's like oh you know it's all accident and accident and accident but the reality is he wouldn't sell for takata he wouldn't play he wouldn't he wouldn't work so eventually it's like oh you're such a badass huh bang yep. so that's it's what it so came great. down to. And the reality is, Kitao, if he if he was that hot about it, oh, I got screwed over, he could have gone, found Takata in the back, kicked his butt, but yep. that didn't happen because he knew better. He knew that if he was going to mess with Takata, Takata was going to beat his ass again, and this was not going to go well. I and like you said, like not to speak ill or whatever, but like he wasn't he wasn't a good fighter at all. Like he was a great sumo guy, but he sucked at fighting, right? Yeah, like, he, he wasn't a great fighter, although I'll give him that like I think he got screwed against Mark Hall in that early UFC really? fight. He got his nose broke yeah. and they say, Oh, he's bleeding too much. It's like yeah. the guy's not bothered, like he wants to fight. Um yeah, he just had a bad attitude towards working. And I think yeah maybe some of that came from he was going to be such a huge prospect they gave him like a fist of the north star kenshiro gimmick and new japan he came out huge and then just didn't yeah. really develop and and they were trying to huge, push him huge like i think it was it was either sws or it was yeah one he, of those he, then he left new japan he got i think yeah. he, he left new japan goes to sws it's kind of like oh now he's a martial artist guy he's got the gi and He's a shooter, and, uh, <laughs> and it was kind of the, it was kind of that gimmick, uh, even when he was the Kinshiro character in New Japan. But it just right. it just didn't fly. And you know, wrestling does take a ton of skill. Yes, I'll give it right. that. But it also takes the right kind of personality. It takes a certain temperament. It takes. It's like my the first person I ever trained to be a professional wrestler from ground up is Eric Hammer, and Eric Hammer, he's six four, two eighty, shredded. He was a collegiate wrestler, uh, played arena football. He's my number one sparring partner. The guy can fight. I've seen him dismantle MMA pro heavyweights in the ring. And he's won tons of grappling stuff. So, but the thing was, it's not like, oh, you have all the skills, you can fight, and, you know, you have a great look. I mean, these things were all do factor in. But the main thing was, Eric, as big and huge as he is, can flow. He's got a soft touch. He can move. And he's a great athlete as well. So I'm like, you can do this. And he's just like, I don't, what do you mean? I, I go, look, man, trust me. You have the ability to give and take and move and flow. You can be heavy when you need to. You can be light when you need to. You can make all those adjustments to make what you're doing look like you're killing someone or you're being killed. And you don't have an ego about it as long as someone's a respectful person. You'll, you'll do great. And, you know, he's worked with tons of great people work matches with Fujita and Lashley wow. and all he made Jerome LeBanner look like a million bucks and Jerome is obviously a killer fighter yeah great kickboxer awesome dude too but you know he's 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 he's, he's green when it comes to pro wrestling and so he's gonna need some help uh trying to get his stuff over and keep that storyline going and so man Eric goes out there delivers and I watched it from 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 the back and I'm just like Man, this is good. And Jerome LeBanner's girlfriend, well, I think it's his wife now, uh, is is getting mad at ringside thinking that Hammer is really trying to kick his ass. Oh, yeah. And so she's like, I'm getting all worked up. It's, it's awesome. Mm. 
Man, I just man, you brought Jerome LeBanner up, and it made me think of that K one thing where. Man, they put Don Fry in there with him at a stand-up. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was – oh, my God. How yeah, that was awful. That? Money. That's why That's why Don was there. Don's like, what's the worst that could happen? He knocks me out, whatever. I just I just remember – Sounds like Don. Yeah. Why, why are you fighting Jerome LeBanner in a kickboxing match? And he's just like, you know, money, brother. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay, I get it. <laughs> Man, it's crazy how, like – how different it is to fighting like the like the whole scene over there man like you could just do stuff like you could put like you couldn't do that here man the commission would never allow something like that well not only that the commission wouldn't allow it but then let's say that they would you'd probably get excoriated by the fan base or Mm -hmm. the company would then be like oh you didn't do well enough so in japan it was like did don fry show up and really try to win yeah did he lose yeah okay done move on that's it. That's all they cared about. It's like they still love Don Fry for being Don Fry, and they they still do. I'm I I'm 100% positive about it, and it's because of his intent and and his his willingness, not just his record, not just something arbitrary. This is hard, man. His heart. Yeah. Like, like him going out there and just going toe to toe with Takayama, like mm-hmm. going like like you know trying to him and Shamrock trying to bring each other's legs home with them like yep it was crazy man it hey, is man, how about uh, like the, the you know and i'm at like i want to get to uh blood sport here right now but mm-hmm. um like before that like the back to uwfi like it's, they added like tag matches to that situation mm-hmm. and i thought that was fascinating how they did that they and you know here's the thing the best years of the uwfi uh are not just because that they had incredible talent, because it is undeniable. They had incredible talent. And you have Yamazaki, uh, Yamazaki, Takata, Tamara, uh, Vader, Albright, uh, Alan Coage, you know, Bad News Brown. Yep. Uh, uh, Anjo, uh, the, the, the Russian Zangief and, uh, Hashimakov. I mean, you just had that was so great that they were there. Talent, and you had Billy Robinson working with people. You had a Thai boxing coach there, and then you had Yuko Miyato, not only wrestling but being the guy, the captain of how this is all being booked together. Uh, it was it was as the best shoot style wrestling you could you could yeah. see ever, and uh, they they managed to create that tag tag team match under that under that that whole paradigm of the, the UWF and make it work. And, it, it, work. and it did work. You know, there's a match between uh, I believe it's Kakihara and Sakuraba versus Gene Lydic and Steve Nelson. And oh, wow. Gordon Nelson's son. Amazing. There's also another amazing one. It's Anjo and I forget who versus uh, Victor Zangiev and maybe Hashimikov, it's Hashimikov, right? or, yeah. or or it might be like uh, one of the other, like Burke Berkovich or whatever. Because like, like one Berkovich. of the Kozlowskis was in that, weren't they? The, oh, the Kozlowskis, yeah, they were over there. Dennis was over there, I believe, uh, doing worked matches. And Severn went over there and worked some. And uh, obviously Billy Scott, one of Billy's boys. Billy, yeah. um, you know, that's all great. But, yeah, there's a match between uh, Zangief and someone versus Anjo and someone. <laughs> man, it is it is fireworks. 
And and you know what's really crazy too is like one of the, like arguably the greatest of all time, and in a lot of people's eyes, was just a kind of a preliminary wrestler there, Sakuraba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was just he was going through the yeah. ranks, working his Putting way up. Guys and over he, and, and Sakuraba over time would eventually become one of the guys that would do the shoots. Uh, and there are shoots in UWFI. Uh, if you can get the collected uh, discs on these things and you watch as the promotion gets past the Miato phase and kind of starts getting into the Anjo phase, things start mm-hmm. changing a bit. But all of a sudden, you'll watch a match and you'll go, well, that well, that didn't look the same. and Or, well, that's different. Well, that ended even quicker than I expected. And all of a sudden, you're actually watching shoots. There's shoots going on. The easiest way to tell, in my opinion, whether or not a match is a shoot or a work in UWFI is how hard they're throwing their knees in the clinch and whether they're actually throwing them at the face. That's the, that's the biggest tell. If they're really trying to knee through somebody's face, that's a shoot. <laughs> that's, that's usually because it's not just they might be striking hard. They might be doing different stuff. But if you see if you see that that clinch and they're really trying to yeah. like take a guy's head off, it's like uh, that's real. <laughs> Do you want to hop in here, Nick? Because I have plenty of stuff. I can no, keep no, I, I, I'm, I'm a little out of my depth here. You're, you're talking. I mean, I'm really enjoying these stories. I'd rather you continue on here at the moment. Yeah. So, hey, so Josh, um, let's talk about blood sport because there's other shit I want to talk about too. But let's just, well, I know blood let's get right into it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's. I'm, I'm really happy to see uh, a market for that type of pro wrestling here in the states. It's really cool to see it because I hadn't been here always. Mm-mm. No. And in fact, that type of pro wrestling really has not been able to grab a foothold here in the States, uh, especially with WCW and WWF back in the day. Uh, but this is the right environment for it. And I, I actually talked about this many years ago about being something I think that could have some success in the U.S. with the, with the right people and the right booking. Uh, and when I was approached to be a part of this whole project, then they agreed to let me, let me be the guy to, to run the, the mm-hmm. captain of the ships. I just said, man, I just thought, okay, you're going to see something here. I, I'm going to produce something. And I know on paper, it sounds like whatever and anybody else could do it, but telling you nobody else can do it. I've got the pedigree. I know that the, the talent, even personally, you watch. I'll make this a thing, you know. Yeah. And, and before you had it, it was Riddle's blood sport, right? There was, I think, right. one or two Riddle blood sports before it became Josh Barnett. Just the one. There was just, just the one show. And uh, it just, to me, uh, I was glad to see it. And I'm. Uh, it was good for a lot of the athletes there. And it helped them out quite a bit. But it was just not, it was not my vision. So that's why I started when I refer to the first blood sport, I refer to my first one, not, not the prior one, because I see that as a different product. What's Even the difference? Uh, the way the matches are structured, uh, the, the, the way they were agented, the, I would just say in the quality of being able to put together shoot, shoot style matches, period. Um, I felt like everybody obviously gave it their best in the first Matt Riddle's blood sport, but I just, Nobody knew what they were doing for the most part. And it was it was not their fault by any means. Not to mention, I felt like the booking itself was 
not really taking into consideration very important things towards shoot style matches. And when you see stuff like that, you, to, it seems like the normal thing would be to go on the internet and slag everyone and disrespect them and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, really, what, how does that make anything any better? And the reality is most people aren't going to have that skill set. Uh, most wrestlers in wrestling aren't even taught to actually wrestle anymore. So right. expecting them to be able to hit a double, drop into a toe hold, and then, and then the other person's going to counter that, swing into a knee bar, or just counter it, get to a headlock, look for a pin. Uh, the guy kicks out, run a half. They're not going to do any of that because they've never been trained to do that. And so I can't, I can't, I can't be mad at that person for that which they lack necessarily. I mean, I could, I could say that there's a lot of opportunities that they could take to, to go and alleviate that lack of skill. But the reality is, is that the the cultural paradigm of professional wrestling, from the working to the training to, I mean, it just they just abandoned actually wrestling. Okay, it's just the way it is. So my job is not to to yell at people for that which they didn't have or that which they've never created. I mean, it was it was just the first show, right? It was a they were working with a conceptual idea and then they were just going to put it together based on what they already knew how to do, which of course means you're 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 gonna you're gonna end up treating this thing that is not quite the same as you've been doing with these other projects. It's it's just not gonna it won't look the way you think it's going to. It's not going to come out exactly correct. And one yeah, of the, yeah, it's fun. One of the things from the first show that you did keep, though, is there was the no ropes. Um, right. Talk about the decision. Is that traditional or is something new that you're bringing to it? Like, it was like why the no ropes? Left? The simplest answer is that was part of the gimmick, so it stuck. <laughs> I mean, if we're honestly having ropes is makes it easier having ropes and rope escapes and that kind of thing makes it so much easier to craft matches and to create stories and so on and so forth it's actually you know when people look at things as a restriction restrictions uh give you things to play with in the realm of professional wrestling and by removing that that element you have to learn how to work around it and work around it's not not the lack of restriction, but what you used to have that you could you could have used. It was another tool in the toolbox. Well, now it's not there, so you got to work around it. But I feel like we've done a really good job of of doing so, and we've got incredible talent with great minds and even better, great ears. They listen well. They take instruction. They're there to 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 bring out their best, not from themselves, not just themselves, but out of their out of their opponents and out of the matches themselves. It's great. I'm curious, Josh, um, the fan base for that, like uh, mm -hmm. the people that come to these shows, do you find, do you find they're, they're educated and they know what they're watching? Like, is it a mixed bag? Like, uh, how does it seem so far? Mm. It's a good question. I, I'd say, it, I'd say it's going to be a mixed bag for the most part, but I think that those that have become friends, fans of it, that, that continue to carry with it, they become more educated as they go yeah. and they learn more as they're, they're a part of the shows. Uh, and then there's just some people that are there that are just like, man, these are great. They're just kicking the hell out of each other. And I absolutely love it. And, you know, regardless of the quote unquote style that we're yeah. working, we're still out there giving we're giving it our all. We're, we're this yeah. is, you know, John Moxley and, and Chris Dickinson 
and uh, you know uh, Simon Gotch and uh, David Boy Smith Jr. I mean, and go on and on and on. You know, so we we are still a, a group with incredible wrestlers that can go out there and put on a match with with anyone, and we use blood sport to put forth the most stripped down raw intense kind of wrestling that we can think of. Can you talk a little bit about how like you, you obviously have such a vision for blood sport and a style that you're trying to sell, but at the same time, like currently blood sports, you know, maybe forever, I don't know, but like still part of the GCW universe, which also mm-hmm. includes, you know, deathmatch wrestling. It also includes these, you know, fabulous big gay brunches and these kind of mm-hmm. throwback, you know, Joey Janela spring break type shows. Um, being in the u- unique position to be able to to have that vision, but also kind of balancing the other fan bases in, in GCW and how the like a Moxley, for example, can do a blood sport match and then walk across the street and he's rolling around in glass with Nick Gage, you know, the next night. It's very unique the position you're in. Yeah, well, and, and each show is its own flavor, and so we don't really have to worry about cross pollination so much. I mean. Everyone's doing their own thing, and yet there are going to be those that are capable and, and wanting to, to work blood sport and then another show and another show. And, and there, there's plenty of places for people to find, find an opportunity to get in the ring uh, if, they've, if they've got the competence. So in that sense, I mean, you never know who you might draw into your product. But I'd, I'd have to say that we, as a GCW imprint, have to have people coming from those other types of shows coming and, and watching and, and, and Hey man, there's, I'm sure plenty of people that are big gay brunch that love the ever, ever living crap out of shoot wrestling and people that are uh, deathmatch aficionados that, that absolutely love watching uh, MMA or other things of that nature. I mean, it's uh fighting's universal. That's, that's why wrestling works in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just different because I know we were talking a lot earlier about very diverse cards and how you guys didn't always think certain things worked on different cards. It's just very – it's GCW's approach is very unique, and it's it's cool to see you be able to kind of – Well, we're not mixing them. So, right. I mean, it is that. I mean, we're not running, like, all these different matches under different auspices, I mean, um, on the same card. Uh, so we're not we're not – we're not you know, building a big horn of plenty here out of this whole thing. <laughs> this is, uh, this is just, uh, you know, we're just one imprint uh, amongst the GCW brand. And, and we're really very fortunate to be a part of it. We're very fortunate. You know, Brett is a great promoter. Uh, he's been great to me and, and our athletes. And he's, he's, I like working with him. He's a good dude. And he, he backs this whole blood sport project. And we've got more in store. Could could we see Josh Barnett pop up at a spring break or a big gay brunch? Are you interested in appearing on any of the other GCW products? Or are you pretty much focused on just blood sport? Well, I mean, anything could happen. But okay. for the most part, I'm, I'm really stuck, st- saddled in here with, with what we're doing with blood sport. It's a lot to take care of. It's a lot, whether I'm in the ring or, or just – doing the opening ceremony and just kind of being around the back. I'm working my ass off the whole time. So uh, I have enough to keep me, to keep me busy right now. Not to mention, um, I don't think I've seen the best of blood sport yet. I mean, I think that w- with what we have 
at our disposal with the type of talent and, and the people behind us, I think we can only get better. So we, we got to strive for that. Hey, Josh, <clears throat> concerning, the, concerning the fans and their reactions to the matches, like, you know, I to me it seemed like, okay, comparing it to comparing Bloodsport to, to UWF, you mm-hmm. know, UWFI, all that stuff. Um, like, the reactions they would get over there, it seems to me it felt like because they thought they were watching legit contests. Like, and, like, you're not telling everyone, hey, these are legit contests. Like, right. so, and so, like, that mystique is is kind of gone, right? Like, so, like, how does that affect you guys being able to put on a compelling match and get the reactions you're looking for? Honestly, that's a much, that, that question, which on the surface might seem, you know, fairly simple or, you know, uh, uh, maybe one paragraph answer. That's actually, in my opinion, a very, very deep and that that will require a lot of digging and uh, plenty of opinion. But that's yeah. actually a much deeper answer. Yes, people looking at wrestling as 100% shoot, no matter what it was, makes a huge difference. Uh, even today, I, I my one of my main arguments that I, I've made many a time is people don't need to know that wrestling is or isn't real, so to speak, or isn't. All right, that, I, I hate that. It, it, of course, it's, sure. it's it. Goddamn, it's real. Uh, but whether it's worked or it's a shoot, but if you treat it like it's a shoot, no matter how you're doing the wrestling, it always is going to give a better response, in my opinion. It's gonna it's gonna build for the future. Doing anything less than that is just hot shotting, in my opinion. It's 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 short term gains for long term losses, and the environment of wrestling even broader than that and the way the business has gone over the last 50 years, 60 years, and a whole number of things have really changed the ability for even the WWE to be what it was at its peak. You know, it affects all great and small. And as for the shoot work element, I'll tell you what, man, I get people still all the time going, is this MMA? Like there are lots of people still that they watch Bloodsport and they're like, "That's real." I get people going, "Oh, that was that was a shoot right there," or "Oh, that that you know this happened," and "Oh, there was no that wasn't worked at all." And I'm never gonna. And here's the thing: I'm never going to give you the answer. I'm never gonna tell you. I'm never going to. I'm never going to peel the curtain back. I'm not gonna open the page and sh- no, fuck that. Talk amongst yourselves. I don't care. You know, go you know, for it's, it. It's way better that way. What 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 just came to my mind though is even if people might think, okay, this this is a work situation. When you have two guys like say yourself and Minoru Suzuki squared off against each other, that's two legit motherfuckers right there, and you mm-hmm. can't deny it. No matter. So like, I guess I guess a lot of that depends on the the actual people that are in the ring doing it mm-hmm. and their yeah, reputations and all of that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, if Anthony Corelli's in the ring, if he hooks you up and hits a Harai Goshi, yeah, he fucking did it. <laughs> you know, if you didn't want him to probably not going to go your direction, you're probably still getting thrown. Right. And so everything he does is still also backed by a base of being a shooter 
his whole life. Yeah. And so he's just taking that and altering it for, for that environment, but he's not out there screwing around. He, he's making it real. What's and, and, and not even, not even like in, like just talk, I'm, I'm talking about WWE right now. Like mm -hmm. um, when you watch a Brock Lesnar title match, like he's doing like, if that ain't strong style or whatever Brock Lesnar style is, I don't know what the hell strong style. Like he doesn't do any unnecessary movements in there. No bullshit spot, like drop down, leapfrog. Like, I mean, he might've done some of that in the past, but he has really gotten his style down pat recently. Like, yeah. Well, at the end of the day, and what I'm always telling my students is it's not, it's not necessarily what you do. It's how you do it. It really is that. It's simple as that. And everyone's just like, oh, well, you know, this match has a moonsault in it, so you'll hate it. Like, no, that has nothing to do with anything. Like, you could do whatever move you want. You come to me and you're, you're you know, uh, you're Mr. Mister Flippy X. It don't matter. I can make you as Flippy X better. I can make your flippiness more impactful and not make you stop flip being flippy at all. Like, I, I'll... I could take any wrestler that really has any want to be that, you know, that really wants to be the best that they can be, however they're going to work. And I'll take what they're doing. I can, I can, I can build into them what is most important. And it isn't about whether or not you hit the ropes. It's not about whether or not you fucking did a moonsault. It's not that at all. I mean, I watched lightning kid rolling Savat people in the stomach and then hook them up <laughs> into tombstones when he was smaller than the guys, but the thing was, if he lays you out enough, if he if he works your legs over, he gets you in the gut kick or or jumping rolling savage, gets you in the face, stuns you, cranks you up, he did lift you, boom, he piled, he tombstoned you. That's it. He won. Yeah. He set you up. No, at, at maybe two minutes in the match, you couldn't have done that. Maybe you right. couldn't have done that to the the soul taker at the time, but you would have figured out a different way, and that's the whole point. <laughs> Oh man! Hey, hey! So you were talking about your students earlier. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you mind talking about my favorite of your students and my favorite female competitor in wrestling right now, Sheena Baszler? Yeah, you you know, know, uh, she's 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 excellent uh, right now in Raw, and they, they, it doesn't matter where they put her, she'll shine. She she's again another person that that she got pro wrestling. Uh, essentially from the beginning. I had to work with her on some things and there's a lot of, I would say, bad influences in, in the in the biz at the moment that people don't even realize that they're bad influences. That's how long that they've been around. But, uh, you know, and I don't mean bad as in malicious as in, I don't think that there's anybody out there trying to give people bad, bad no, instruction per se. Just it's just that they're just wrong. They just, they just screwed it up. Um, but, but Shana's out there working, you know, now she's got this thing with uh, Alexa Bliss and, you know, it's it's kooky and it's weird it's and it's weird. whatever, but she will make it work. Uh, one of her, her first ever uh, uh, experiment or adventure into being a heel was with Nicole Matthews up in Vancouver and she picked it up right away. Like one of the things she did that was just the, so heelish, it just it made my made my little heart just, just squee with joy. I was so happy how yeah. smart she was about this. They would come to the ring and she'd bring an entourage like a UFC fight. She would have her gear and get checked for if she had oil on, I mean, she would get, uh, you know, put Vaseline on the, all, just would stretch out the whole thing 
and would just piss the whole crowd off. And the thing that, that made me so happy is what she figured out was one of the most heel things you can do, and any and and this is one version of it is deny the fans the match. Yeah. Don't give them the match. They're waiting to see you get your comeuppance. And if the match doesn't happen, that's not that's not possible. So you know, one of the old heel tricks you'd see all the time is they're going, they're going, they're going, they're going. Finally, he was like, you know, fuck this, I don't care. I'm not DQ, DQ me. This leaves, and the yeah. audience is like, what the? F-? You know, come on, I paid to see you wrestle. This is yeah. cool. And so if the if the face can go out there and bring the heel back in, and then the, the audience is like, yes, you 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 you're helping us, you're you're helping us also and get our money. You're not letting him weasel out of it. But it's just simply a, a simple tactic of don't give them the match or don't give it to them when they want it. You know, oh, you want to come yeah. up this now? No, I'm stealing this from you. Josh, her 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 run as NXT Women's Champion is one of my favorite title runs, male, female, period, in years. I just love. Oh it, man, man. Uh, she's uh, she's been a uh, a great wrestler as a shooter and a worker and she she we still talk i manage her so i have to talk to her but we'll go over little things and uh we'll talk about how to make sure that whatever she does is strong as possible because at the end of the day you have to be strong as an opponent to make the person that eventually wins or even to make your win legitimate because if if you beat nobody, it doesn't matter. And you I need did. to make sure that wh- whoever sees you guys out there, that they have to walk away feeling satisfied. Well, if, if, the, if the heel sucks, then why have a match with them? Why not just beat them up and be done with it? You're right. You know, just trash them and you're gone. But instead, no, you're going to have an actual match. We're going to build into this whole thing. So there has to be a way to somehow shine them, shine their mind, shine their physicality, shine something about them so that at the end of the day, people saw a match that mattered between people who were not to be messed with. Yeah. And I just like her style, Josh, like the things you installed in her. And 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 obviously she's adjusted a bit because you kind of got to meet mm-hmm. some some people in the middle. Uh, Correct. But like she wasn't, a, you know, you never seen her like much with the hitting the ropes or anything. No. And I just love that because she – put together great matches without all that shit that people go like, yeah, the oh, shit isn't, right. Well, the shit isn't, that's not what actually makes a match. And I remember when she got into NXT and she's on television and people were, were, were posting stupid shit on Twitter. Like, Oh, she doesn't even know how to wrestle. She didn't even hit the ropes. Yeah. That's how warped people yeah. Uh, have become with understanding what wrestling is, professional wrestling included, that that somehow hitting the ropes is what professional wrestling is. It's like, no, none of that is what wrestling is. Wrestling, and wrestling's not anything. I'm not going to give that stance either. Wrestling is combat sports. It's two, at the very least, it's two opponents fighting each other, wrestling each other in the ring in combat to see who can overcome the other. That's Shana, it. Shayna Baszler is the only person I've ever ever seen in an MMA match beat somebody with a Cobra twist or uh, abdominal stretch. <laughs> yeah, she was the first one to do it, uh, male or female. And she's yeah. done it twice, actually. And so uh, it's um, it's just a matter of it's not moves, it's intent. It's not moves, it's, it's uh, you know, what is the point behind it? And it's the same thing with that. And, and even sh- what I talked about earlier, there's plenty of people in the WWE that can't actually wrestle. 
they can do choreography. They can go through, you know, they can run through spots. They know the international. They, they know how to do that kind of yeah. thing. But if you just said, hey, this one, this person and you, you're not just working the left. You can work any side. You can do this. You can do that. And by the way, you can't call anything. Uh, go. They would just, uh, as soon as someone grabs them on the right side, they're like, I don't know what to do anymore. It's like, because that's dancing. That's not wrestling. So if you knew how to wrestle, you could, you could work either side and it'd be fine. And by the way, what if your left side's hurt? You should work your right. What if your left side's hurt? You should have your opponent work your right. What if that, you know, what if by happenstance, you go to do a flippy maneuver and you kind of screw up whatever and you dump in a weird way and land on your right shoulder. Well, I should attack that right shoulder. You know, it was a mistake. Uh, you know what happened? Fine. Nobody knows what really matters until you tell them that it matters. So when people are like, oh, you can see that they just botched something. It's like they don't, you only know that because they, they all of a sudden froze up and reacted. Right. If it was just something that was ugly, like who cares? In a fight, stuff's ugly all the time. If you just keep going, you go to the next thing. Even if, even if you got a bunch of spots built in, just go to the next thing. Do it again. You see people go for stuff and fail all the time. You know, and that's where the announcing crew should have your back and go, you know, you can see the strain this, this match has had. You can see the, the fatigue that these wrestlers are, are dealing with. You know, that they've been out there for 15 minutes, man. The sweat coming off them. It's hard. They couldn't get the proper bite the first time, you know, managed to get, you know, stun them and go for it. That's fine. I mean, you just you just saved everyone's ass. You just kept everything in the realm of combat where it's where it matters instead of thinking like, Oh, well, when he went to do the international, he should oh, fuck, oh, yeah, stop, stop. Just because you, you now think you know how professional wrestling is done. Just, just fucking quit, man. You're not helping yourself enjoy the product all that much. But, uh, uh, you know, I had to, with Shayna, it's like, well, why would you hit the ropes? To do what? I mean, maybe if you wanted to get more momentum to hit him with a knee or something else, possibly. Sure. But why the fuck would you ever do that? I mean, you yeah, don't need like to. Yeah, like when you get when you start getting into drop downs and leap, well, and yeah. like dozy dos and shit, yeah. it's like a little too much. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, if you can really wrestle, you can build all that stuff into what you want, or all of a sudden pull it out out of a match and go, hey, let's let's you know let's get some movement in here and boom, boom, boom. And then yeah. instead of going to the boom, 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 you go through the international drop down leapfrog, you know, then you go into a hip toss and you go for the pin, cover, kick out, and then both come up. Okay, fine. People will accept that. But how about pin, kick out, run a half on them again, pin, kick out, you know, bar arm them, put them on their back, and then they 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 you, you give too much oomph, they roll you through, they go to a headlock, now you're working back up and and then you get a front headlock, back them into the corner, you know, snap them down, go behind. Right. You know, you just keep going, keep going, keep going. You know, you're trying to win. Maybe eventually that guy, you get that go behind. He gets up, he backs you into the corner, grabs the ropes. The ref comes in, breaks it. And now you can choose. Do you want to heal it out? Do you want to keep it straight up? What do you want to do, right? You mm -hmm. know, but continually also to do the same spots with the same finishes over and over and over again. It just makes it so people just are like, oh, yeah, I know this. Oh, I know this. Oh, I know how this goes. And so yeah, what even what if I they start... haven't seen it, even if they haven't seen it, like, if, but if you've been doing it over and over again, like that whole spot, this whole spontan, spontaneous feel to it is just gone by, you know, right. Third or fourth and, time and people, you yeah, they start. And of course, let's say you're the seventh match on a 10, ma 10 match card. Yeah. 
And knowing how things are, you've probably seen every wrestler do the same. I mean, you've probably seen the international spot five times already now, and you know how this goes. And international so, spot is tackle, drop down, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, okay. Uh, but what you start doing is you start programming the fans to not care until you get to the till, – till you start seeing what they – falsies or whatever. Like, so – no one, no one cares. And I've watched this so many times, live events, and I just go, yeah, everyone's goofing off. They're, they're, they're putting their cards up. They're running their mouth. They're heckling. They're doing this. They're doing that. Nobody's paying attention right now because they know it doesn't matter. They're just like, oh, cool, he flipped off of something. Oh, cool, he smashed his head. Yeah, I'm just watching heat. I mean, it's they just, just look like, like routines. Like routines. Right. Yeah. But in a way, as the paying customer, you're – you're not getting the full experience. And as the people performing, you're also short. You're not just shortchanging them. You're shortchanging yourself and your opponent and what you could get out of them. Sometimes really guys, gals out there, less is more. Believe me, you, if you have the right intent, if you can get them to come for it, that's it. It's okay. Your match doesn't need to be 25 minutes long. If you, you could do it in six and I, I've had, workers staying here with me training day in and day out and I'll put matches on. I go watch this match, this UWFI match right here. Okay. Well, they go through it. How long was that match? Like, oh, six minutes and like 13 seconds. Did they tell a story? Yes. Did you believe it all? Yes. Did they get everything across about, you know, did this guy get it across? Yes. How about him? Yes. There you go. I'm deal. And also if you're match three, you're not doing a super fucking power bomb off the top rope. When I've got match 12 is the main event. That ain't happening. <laughs> and that didn't happen on blood sports either. Not because you couldn't power bomb somebody off of whatever. You could figure all kinds of ways and mess someone up. But it's just that I'm not having seven power bombs on my show. I'm not having like everybody do the same stuff over and over again. And it's not because I'm sitting back being a curmudgeon. It's because I'm trying to help everyone get the most out of the, the that small time. Let's say they're in there 15 minutes. That's a long match for blood sport. That's that's enough time to do a lot. 15 minutes out of the entirety of every minute you have in your working adult life, that's nothing. So let's let's take that small amount of time. Let's take that small amount of time. Let's let's make it the, the most of it that we can, not just for today, also if possible, but for tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. Let let's try and give you something that'll give you that'll pay dividends down the line. And I promise you. The people that show up for that, they're going to win too. I I remember when you were doing New Japan commentary, the the discussion around this with the Young Bucks and like how seemingly real, like I have no idea what your relationship is with the Young Bucks, but obviously they're doing your thing and you have a a space for your thing now as well. But I remember those two energies just on top of each other and how it got, it felt real when you were talking about their style and when they were talking about you. You know. I don't know what their deal is. I don't know who riled them up into thinking that me and JR were burying them all the time because we weren't. But they also need to understand, you know, one of the things that I think was a problem is they wanted to be cool. But I'm like, your heels. Sorry, you, you cheat constantly. You're constantly cheating and breaking the rules and doing heel stuff. So we're going to say you're despicable. We're going to say you're terrible and horrible and you know, you're bad people. We didn't say you, you couldn't write. You didn't say that you sucked. We just said that, you know, you're, you're bad guys. Because that was your job. Your job was to be bad guys. But it seems like no one wants to be an actual heel anymore. Everyone wants to be the cool anti-hero or a cool yeah. bad guy heel or whatever. They want to sell all their merch. They want to do all this. It's like, no, I'm sorry. If you're a heel, you're a heel. Be a heel. Stop. 
Stop trying to worry about whether the fans like you or not. Like you, you have a role to fill here. And if you want to run around telling people to suck it, then people are, should want to see you get your, your teeth kicked in. That's just the way it is. And nobody wants to be a heel and that's a problem. And, and somebody riled up the bucks. I don't know how, whatever. I mean, they used to get into Twitter fights constantly anyways, but uh, yeah, I just, I've never actually had a discussion with them. No, nothing, never, ever. Uh, I don't know. And yet uh, I would constantly cover for them in their matches. You know, they go to hit their melter drivers and stuff. And sometimes, you know, they do all this crazy stuff that just gets them a two count. So, you know, my thoughts are, well, I don't want this to seem like it was shit or it's weak or it's just whatever. It's just a hope spot. It's just getting their shit in. I don't want people to view that. I want to say, well, okay, you could see that, um, I don't know which Jackson does what in that scenario, but it's like, oh, you can see that that Matt, when he came off the ropes, he didn't get the feet all the way on the, the you know, the, the, uh, the help on that on that pile driver like a stuff or, pile you know, driver or something yeah you know it's like i don't i don't want to i don't want to belittle what they're doing i want them to like okay if they had hit it perfectly that match was over you know but they're tired uh it's tough people are sweaty things are happening you know this dude's in air flipping to to, to land to 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 give the assisted pile assisted tombstone okay a lot of things could happen, could miss, you know, and you get guys that always got to knock a dude out the ring. They always got to flip over it. Okay, fine. Regardless that this has happened in every match leading up to this, but whatever, I'm not agenting things. I'm only dealing with what's on television. Right. So even then I want to be like, Oh, you can see in the slow-mo on this suicida, he only caught a piece of them. You know what I mean? And so, and, and maybe that even caused him some injury too. And so I'm always trying to, I was always trying to find a way to say that, Nobody here is weak. Nobody sucks. This is just what happens when you go to war. When you're going, you're in combat. Things don't always work out how you want them to. And so, yeah, they hit this. You hit a 450 and boom, but you don't get the three count. You know, maybe, oh, he, he just didn't have the leg hooked enough. It's it's not that you didn't aren't capable. It's just like, ah, oh, it's one little thing. It's always one little thing. And that's how close the margins should be between these, these you know, these competitors. You know, Josh, um, I'm not just blowing smoke, man. One of my all-time favorite uh, announced teams is you and Morrow. Like you guys were just phenomenal together, man. We had a good time, and it was uh, it was it was really great to work with someone that I had known for so many years, and 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 I'd worked with before, and uh, in, in, in different capacities at times, but still worked with many yeah. a time back and knew him backstage, and to have that pro wrestling knowledge, especially from the MMA side of things. I'd love to have him as an MMA commentator too, but there are times we're in the booth. We'll just put a hand on the other because we got something going or we'll pop someone and then jump, we'll jump in back and forth. And, you know, it was different working with him versus working with JR, but JR was great in that I could just put a little touch on him and boom, or he, 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 yeah. he would line me up. So he was also just such a wealth of information and, I had so much fun with both of them. Uh, they were, uh, you know, it's like it's like when you're with the boys, you're with the boys, and that's yep. what it felt like. I was I was with, you know, a guy who had seen and heard more wrestling than I'll ever forget, and it was incredible to be able to sit alongside him every single day, and wow. even to have a guy like Morrow, who uh, people won't really know this unless they're super deep fans, 
who who spent all this time in Stampede and all this Canadian yep. wrestling as a manager, which also means he's working in the back. He's working on tickets. He's working on this. Like he's working the whole entirety of the business, <laughs> yep. which means that insight isn't limited to just playing a character. It's to knowing the biz. And that was oh. awesome. Oh, wait one second. We've lost Sean. I don't know where he went. He's Sorry. in our hearts. He's yeah, always he, in our hearts. Yeah, I know. He's ascended. He'll be back. You know, I'm sure it'll be <laughs> only a moment here until his wife is a, uh, a writer in, in, in LA and she has some kind of writer's meeting going on upstairs where she's got the whole team, I guess, you know, on the Wi-Fi. So anyway, we've already taken over an hour. As soon as he gets back, I'm sure we won't be that much longer. Sure. This is a great talk there, Josh. Yeah, it's been it's been enjoyable and you know, one of the things that that I'm always trying to emphasize, because people just love to hang on the negative. They always love to see everything as some sort of mannequin, you know, you versus them or whatever. It's, it's, it's a my opinion uh, overall, right? Yeah, I, I have strong opinions and I, I do back them uh, for, for what I feel are good reasons through experience and time and, uh, and, and, and seeing them executed. But the, the, at the end of the day, man, we should be trying to do things to, you know, what I say isn't to, isn't to bring things down. Cause I think that's going to elevate what I do. It's to, it's to tell people, this is how to help level yourself up. The better we all get, the better everything will be. And, and that's, uh, what is it? Rising tide, uh, right. Yeah. Rising tide raises all ships. And well, that's and, the point. Yeah. And, and that's why I really love the GCW model. Um, because like as great as you guys are, and then Joey, <sighs> base and then you know you've got you know effie's fan base and aj gray's fan base and like the fact that you're not you know I, i've heard for years right interviews like you know a great wrestling show should be like uh, a great salad or great ice cream we have a little scoop of everything for everybody and the fact that gcw's route is like no we're gonna do a chocolate ice cream show we're gonna do a strawberry ice cream show we're not gonna try to make everybody a neapolitan ice cream show Sure, Neapolitan. Yes, absolutely. That's Effie's Big Gay Brunch. That's a Neapolitan ice cream. That's a Neapolitan ice cream, right? <laughs> but like the fact that GCW is taking the, the the route of like not trying to make it like okay, I like American wrestling, and then some shows I go to and there's lucha, and that's really not my thing. Well, you know, maybe those things shouldn't be on the same show, right? Maybe sure. all these shows should be different. That's an easier way for and like you say, rising tides, you know, raise all ships. If everybody's having a good time and. You have all these different varieties. Everybody's kind of playing off each other. So anyway, hi, Sean. Hey, man. Sorry about that. <laughs> we were all honestly, all we were really talking about uh, while you were gone was just simply that having differing opinions and, and putting out some yeah. of the information, let's say specifically, I'll just talk for myself. Um, you know, people tend to think like, oh, you hate this. You hate that. And this, that, and the other. It's like, look, man, I'm not trying to actually bring what I'm doing is I'm trying to give you. Uh, insight into making yourself better into making if you're better if we're all better workers and then we're all better promoters then we're and all better bookers then we're going to make better matches and we're going to make if the referees are better and the managers are better and the valets are better i mean as everything works towards um some some sort of a, a unifying construct and in, in, in creating what giving giving that base so that you can make it any kind of wrestling that you want and it'll all be good yeah. then everything is better everything is better but it simply can you know if you can't take the criticism that no you, you need to learn how to wrestle for real 
because it, it'll make you a safer wrestler. It'll make you in better shape and make you more capable Then you know, okay, well, you just don't want to be better. You don't want to put the work in. You think that, um, that you can just, what you, what you know now is all that there is to know. You know what you were, and you were mentioning this earlier, like, you know, guys really knowing how to wrestle and like, there's not as many. The thing though, to me is in the past several years, they've been going out of their way to try to recruit people that actually know how to fucking wrestle Josh. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool. It feels really good. It is really cool. And then even then from the worker side of things, you can go, but working isn't just fake fighting people. And I've seen so many shooters that just like, they can't figure it out. Right. They can't quite, can't quite make it work. Hey, you can take a, you can take a former sumo, high-ranking sumo who was yep. who was known throughout the land, and he spent all this time in a in a sumo dojo training, right? And yet, put him in a ring, and man, yeah. you don't you didn't really get the result that you wanted. And there's something ethereal, maybe that's not quite easy to pin down about being a worker. Uh, it helps to know what a real fight is and to how to actually wrestle. But at the end of the day. Knowing how to wrestle and knowing how to tell a story, well, that's not quite the same, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, Josh, uh, you know what? Like, what I was wondering, uh, how hard is it for you? And also, uh, are you going to have any more fights coming up? And how hard is it for you to go back and forth between uh, I'm a uh, pro wrestling work mode and I got to fucking fight? You know? Not hard at all. Uh, I mean, the first thing is, I'll answer your, your last question first, and that is, or I guess it'd be first question. Uh, first, but yeah, I'm I, I'm hoping to get this fight with Fyodor in Moscow for Bellator. It is the fight that needs to happen. I will expect all of you to be out there rallying for this because this is the fight that should happen. October 23rd. Hey, man, I'm your Huckleberry. But uh, it's wow. never been tough to go between the two because my base of training for either one is the same. You know, when we're in the room, we're in the room, we're in the room. When I'm training people to work. I'm spending 80% of the time teaching him how to shoot. And the rest of it is like the, just a little bit of work, 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 working stuff. If we got to go over something technical as far as um, a move, okay, that's one thing. But that's learning moves is not working. That's, right. that's the other thing that people conflate the two. Like knowing how to do a headlock does not make you a worker. In fact, that has nothing to do with working a match really all that much at all. I just got this ridiculous image in my head of you backing a guy into the cage and then like hitting him with the working punch where you stomp like, Oh shit. I'm sorry. I'm going <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> Hey man, I'm wor- it's wrong, work- wrong job. Working yeah. Working and shooting. It's uh, one side of the same coin. Uh-huh. That's all it is. You know, what am I doing today? Heads or tails yeah. brother. We could be easy. It could be tough. What do you, want? you never do a punch like that. You never like in your pro wrestling <laughs> matches, you don't throw punches like that anyway. So Heck yeah, same, right? no, not. My, my work punches are might as well be shoots anyways. Mm. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> oh, is that my mouse? Yeah, I was I was like, oh let's do let's do that. You know, we'll clinch up and go at it. Mm-hmm. Next day Scott's like, Well, yeah, that worked. Like, sorry. <laughs> so hey, so October twenty third, you said? Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. That's uh, Bellator Moscow. Uh, Fyodor is to be the headliner and I can't see anybody more appropriate for that than me and you know I have a large Russian fan base Polish fan base uh, J- Japanese I mean this this will get seen I know about it I'm so glad you asked Sean because I was going to be my closer I saw the I didn't know you were going to be like uh, I'm your Huckleberry that's a great headline but yeah. that, uh, I got you I got like I like if I was a betting man all of my money would go on you 
Oh, well, thank you very much. I'll, I'll give you that return. I'm not just saying, okay. uh, and you know what? If you if if your body should ever decide that it feels like getting in a ring again, you know, you can always give me a call. I think I could find the right opportunity for you. It's been a I, long time since I was in that mode, like 30 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys are taking care of my closing questions for All right. me. All right. Well, I have I have literally not I've asked everything I wanted here. So uh, you've given us more than enough time, by the way. Yeah, Josh. man. Thank you really, so really, much. Josh. Really appreciate you sticking around for over an hour. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here. I uh, I even brought it up to uh, to Sean when I saw him coming back from WrestleMania. I was like, Oh, yeah. hey, hey, uh, you're doing a new podcast now? What happened to yeah. the other one? You know, so on and so forth. Well, I'd love to go on it. You know, yeah. uh, you know, I've known Sean for years, and it's it's my pleasure. Hey man, hey, I'm in that new because uh, because hey, Josh is friends with Glenn Danzig too. Yes, um, I'm in this new uh, spaghetti western vampire huh? movie coming out. That's yeah. awesome! I, I can't wait to see it. Uh, uh, me, me and my lady, we watched uh, uh, Veronica, ooh. and we watched that one together. I mean, it's a wild ride. Yeah, it's a wild ride, and, and Glenn's got quite the imagination <laughs> on him. But uh, you know what? A good dude. I, I love Glenn. He's he's mm. badass. He's He's always been the same dude since I met him at day one. And uh, I'm hoping to see him out at Psycho Las Vegas this year. Cool. Welcome back to the game show portion of Pro Wrestling for Life. It is me, your game show host here on Pro Wrestling for Life, Nick Hausman. And coming to the game show right now, our first contestant. He is here every week to go head-to-head with one of our awesome Pro Wrestling for Life patrons. He's a two-time Hall of Famer. He's a multi-time champion. It's Sean X-Pac Waltman. Sean, welcome back to the game show. Hello, everyone. You're a defending champion here again. Mm, you're defending something, but I, I think it's more your pride. Shut up, it. Nick. I, I think it's a defensive pride. All right, um, so we have Sean here in the house, and coming to the show today, he is one of our, like I said, Pro Wrestling for Life patrons. He's a longtime supporter of the show. He's been itching to get onto the game show for some time now. He is coming to us from the supply room of wherever he works. It is our good friend Daniel Zalmarano. Daniel, welcome back, or welcome to Pro Wrestling for Life. Thank you for having me, guys. How are you doing, Sean? What's up, man? Thank you. <laughs> Thank hey, you. You ready to get you ready to get destroyed? We'll see. We'll oh, see. <laughs> wow. Uh, Daniel, first of all, where where are you? What is this behind you? What are these boxes filled with? Just merchandise, uh, cups for coffee. Okay. Uh, we're coffee distribution center. Nice. Yeah. yeah we are a big old coffee fan here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I see you're rocking your Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt here today. Oh, yeah. Greatest of all time for sure. Great. Whoa, wait. No, wait. In my opinion, in my opinion. You're talking to Sean. You're supposed to come on. I understand. Show. But I don't want right, to be that. I love you, Sean. Don't get me wrong. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, Big man. fan, but yeah, Austin's my guy. Stone cold, man. Me yeah, too. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going old school here today on the show. Um, I have uh, pulled back out my box of uh, Titan Sports trivia cards here today. So we are uh -oh. playing 1997 Titan Sports trivia. The way this works, Daniel, I'm sure you know. You've, you've watched the show before. Absolutely. There are Absolutely. five. There are five questions on either side of, or on each side of one of these cards. Again, this is from a trivia game from 1997 from WWF. Uh, you're going to pick a number one through five. I'm going to ask Sean or you uh, what the uh, uh, what the question number is. There's no difficulty level one through five. I'm going to ask the question. You get it right. You get a point. Pretty straightforward. Okay. 
Okay, Sean, I don't have a Daniel's flash. looking and Daniel keeps looking over his shoulder hoping his fucking boss doesn't come in. <laughs> something like that, something like that. <laughs> um, well, I don't really feel like uh, making Daniel run around his office right now. I was going to do like a scavenger hunt thing. So like, I, I don't know. How about this? I'm thinking of a number one through 10. I'm going to put the number right out of screenshot. I'm not going to, I've got my fingers down here. What is the number, Daniel? One to ten. What number am I thinking of right now? Uh, six. What about you, Sean? What do you think? That's you have what a, I was gonna say. But... You can't pick six. Daniel picked six. What are you gonna pick? Uh, two. Two. You were off. It was seven. It was seven. Daniel's gonna go first here. He was closer. Congratulations, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Pick a number, or I'm gonna ask Sean here first. Sean, pick a number one through five for me to ask a question of Daniel. Three. Three. So, uh, Daniel. The tag team champions at the 1989 WWF Survivor Series were the Brainbusters, Legion of Doom, or Demolition. A uh, year before I was born, but let me throw out Demolition. You are correct, Daniel. Congratulations. That is one point for you, Sean. You look pretty confident. Did you know that one? Yeah. You did? Okay. Yeah. Daniel, one. Sean, nothing. Daniel, pick a number one through five. Four. Four. We are going to go with four here. Okay. Number four. Sean, in the WrestleMania four Battle Royal, who were the last two men remaining? You do not get any choices based on the card. You just have to tell me who were the last two men in the WWF WrestleMania four Battle Royal. Bandis Brown and Brett the Hitman Hart. That is correct. No wow. shit, Nick. No Dude. fucking shit. That's correct. <laughs> okay, we have ourselves a game here today. Okay. And a little side note, like if you go back and watch something, like Brett, somebody must have fucking ribbed Brett and stole his trunks because he only had his tights and his singlet on over the tights and it looked weird. Like, how, compared to how it usually looks, I'm pretty sure. It was, yeah, to go back. <laughs> Four. All right, hey, so Sean, nice, nice. back to you. Pick a number one through five. Two, two. Let's see what you got here, Daniel. At the 1994 SummerSlam, the Bret Hart Owen Hart match was either a a strap match, b a no countout match, or c a steel cage match. Uh, still cage match for sure. That is correct. Wow, we are three for three here. Daniel at two, Sean at one. Daniel, pick a number one through five here. I'm gonna shoot one back to Sean now. Uh, one, one, the mighty one. All right, Sean. Who again? You don't get choices. Who called the action at the 1987 Survivor Series telecast? It is one name. Who called the action at the 1987 Survivor Series telecast? Gorilla Monsoon. You are correct. That is right. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Sean is focused here today. Okay. All right. Sean, back to you to pick a number one through five. For, five. Uh, five. Five. Okay. Like King Kong Bundy. Uh, you, I feel like you should know this one. This is a layup. Sean would know this for sure. I, I guarantee it. I knew this one. All right. Daniel, at WrestleMania 1, okay, the first WrestleMania, 
Andre the Giant received $15,000 for slamming who? You don't get any Big choice. Big John Stud. Big John Stud is correct. Big John Stud is correct. Man, that is five in a row. These are not easy questions either. We have a real bar. That's uh, pretty easy, actually. <laughs> I don't know, man. All right. No, that's pretty easy. Daniel, one through five. Back to Sean. Three. All right, Sean. The champion at SummerSlam 1990 was Bret Hart, Ultimate Warrior, or Sergeant Slaughter. Who was the champion at 1990 SummerSlam? Sergeant Slaughter. That is not correct. I'll give you a chance to steal here. Daniel, was Bret Hart or the Ultimate Warrior the champion at SummerSlam 1990? Uh, Warrior. It was, in fact, the Ultimate Warrior. That is a successful steal there. A point for Daniel. And, uh, Sean, one through five, if Daniel gets this right, I feel like I'm going to have to declare him the winner, 5-3. One. One. Okay, here it is. So, Daniel, this is for the win here. At the May 1995 In Your House, who interfered in the Bret Hart-Jerry Lawler match? Was it Mabel, Hakushi, or Diesel? Mabel, Hakushi, or Diesel? Diesel. That is not correct. Sean, you feel like you know this one, yes? Do you know Hakushi? It was Hakushi. And were you on that show, I'm guessing? No, I just because Brett Brett had specifically uh, requested to work with Hakushi, oh. and like so that was the the start of that little thing they were doing. Okay, yeah, I All guess right. Diesel would have been too easy. <laughs> All right, we'll do one more here. We'll see. I thought time. like at, at first, Nick, like I I thought this was some, like the thing where Isaac Yankum ended up uh, in the picture. Uh. That might, yeah, it would have been right in the same area because yeah. when but uh, Yankum debuted when Lawler was in the the cage over the ring, though, right? I just I thought it was um, maybe I'm wrong. SummerSlam '95. Anyway, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Props to Glenn Jacobs carrying Doctor Isaac Yankum. What a gimmick. Um, yeah. All right, uh, Daniel, uh, I'm going to give you a chance one to five to ask Sean a question. Which which one do you want? One to five. Two. Two. Sean, the first match of WrestleMania's eight telecast was El Matador versus Shawn Michaels, Owen Hart versus Skinner, or Piper versus Bret Hart. Michaels versus Matador. That is correct. That is yeah. correct. We are at a 4-4 tie here right now. We're right at time. I'm going to do one more question here, and uh, we'll see where it goes. All okay. right. So, Sean, pick a number one through five for Daniel here. I'm going to go with one again. All right, Daniel, here it is. It's another 95. It's a May 95 in your house question. And it's another era interference question, okay? At the May 95 in your house, who interfered in the Sid Diesel match? Was it IRS, Tatanka, or Shawn Michaels? No clue. Uh, got to pick, pick one. IRS, Tatanka, or Shawn Michaels? Tatanka. Well, yeah. that's correct. That is correct. Woo! <laughs> Super guess on that one. <laughs> uh, we're at time. I don't think anybody... I mean, there was one. Sean got one wrong. Daniel did pick up the steal there. So I guess we're going to have to declare it on that. Uh, Daniel, uh, congratulations. 
You just beat Thank Sean. Thank you so much. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> All right, whatever, man. Congratulations, <laughs> Daniel. Thank you, I Sean. I really appreciate hey, you, brother. Hey, man, like, that was a legit uh, um, well-contested game show. You, uh, there was this was actually a legit like it was no bullshit. This was the yeah. Uh, in the beginning, we were going head to head. I was scared. I'm like, he he came to play when I when I'm a. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> usually, I, I really appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Usually, I I just put I just put the guest over. Like I didn't put you over. You actually won. So thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> so Daniel. Where can you? Uh, where can people go? Follow you on Twitter if they want to find find you. Uh, it would be Daniel underscore Zamorano on Twitter and Instagram. Cool. Thank you. Daniel's man. like, can I get the fuck out of here now? My boss. Is <laughs> I really appreciate you guys. Thank See you so you. much, Sean. Take Good care. Man. Thank you. Take care. All dude. right. Bye, brother. That's it for this week's edition of Pro Wrestling for Life. Everyone, I want to thank Josh Barnett for giving us over an hour of his time. Uh, who else am I thanking, Nick? You want to help uh, me out with us? Uh, yeah, we actually Ryan? have Daniel, Daniel. No, Daniel Zamoro is the get with the game show. Uh, okay, all right. Daniel. Brian, Brian, was that last week's? Yeah, well, yes. Brian <laughs> Mulaney. <laughs> Brian Mulaney was last week. We this week is recording craziness because of the bump yeah. thing, which is a great opportunity. We're very happy. Yeah. To keep it on the bump. Hey, so and the, yeah, while I'm thanking people, uh, thank you to Matt Camp, Evan Mack, all like. Caleb Braxton, everyone uh, at the bump. And if I'm missing somebody, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I hope I didn't leave anyone else on anyone out on that. So, yeah, yeah. thanks everyone for having me. At, uh, uh, you know, in Stanford, on the bump. Yeah, I've been studio. I was the first in studio guest since the pandemic. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that what it is? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. And it's also MWO week. <laughs> is they was is this the week that the NWO? No, well maybe. I have no idea. They just said when they hit me up about it, they just said, "Hey, you want to come out for NWO week?" Great. <laughs> <laughs> and like I was like, I will, but like maybe add a few other things to my, uh, you know, to my schedule while I'm there. And they yeah. did. And so it was yeah, great. Wonderful. Well, great. Um, so I hope you all enjoyed the bump. Hope you all enjoyed this show. Uh, again, July 15th on Fight. Um, that's really about it. I'm at Nick underscore Houseman over on Twitter and support me over on the Wrestling Inc. Daily and Wrestling Inc. That's where I do my, my day job stuff and I'm not talking when to... When I lived in Mexico, I used to enjoy the bump quite often. <laughs> you know, when I, was, when I was doing Chicago comedy, I was a big fan of the bump too, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know, whatever. It's All crazy. Right. Hey, uh, is ending the show on cocaine jokes, is that good? I think that's a good end, right? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for a great Take care, day. everyone. See you next week right here on Pro Wrestling for Life.